Welcome everyone, welcome back to the fourth quarter comeback and happy new year. I am your host, Six Pack Pat, alongside the mean gene to my Hulk Hogan. He is Red Zone Rick. Rick, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Pat. I'm doing good, man. Ready to get this new year started. All right. And just as we start a new year here, the NFL has ended. It's last year. The regular season has come to a close. The 2018 season was nothing but fun and exciting, that is for sure. But now we move on. We move on to the playoffs. The 12 best teams in the league, the cream of the crop, rise to the top. Here we are. We're going to dissect these wild card round games. And what better place to start off first with Indianapolis visiting Houston. Division rivals, Rick. We got Houston. We got Indy. Houston is the favorite by one and a half. Rick, any initial thoughts on this game? You like anyone? You hate anyone? Houston won the first game at Indy. They won 37-34. Indy won in Houston, 24-21. So a field goal game both times. Both times the away team won. So that plays into Indy's favor. What are you thinking? I'm thinking the Colts here. Uh, I think Andrew Luck is going to get this done, man. Um, As much as I like Houston, you know, they were the quiet team this year. And they, you know, they kind of... Ran through a couple of teams and we paid no attention to them. You know, they had that nice long winning streak. But um, I just think that Indianapolis is poised to make this run right now. I think uh, Andrew Luck got back to the playoffs after starting off so slow this season. And I think he's got something to prove and when he's going to go out there and show it in the playoffs. And I think that Houston's in for some problems, man. I'm agreeing with you here. I do agree that Andrew Luck is the way to go. Let's break it down a little bit here now, Rick. Let's go with who is the best quarterback of the matchup. I think we're both agreeing that as good as Deshaun Watson is, with over 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and actually 550 rushing yards with another 5 touchdowns on top of that, Watson is a beast. But I think we're both going with luck here, am I right? Yeah, he's just the field general out there, man. You just feel the presence when he's on the field. More than more so than Watson right now, you know. I like Watson. I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Watson. I'm just I'm just big on Andrew Luck right now. Like I'm buying Andrew Luck all the way right now. I think he's definitely the comeback player of the year. He's in the conversation for MVP. The things that he's done with this team, you know, with the talent that he has around him, which is not much. You know? The yeah, way he's they've really come forward with a team that you really didn't think was going to be a playoff contender, and he's really managing to carry that team. The defense is stepping up, but Andrew this Luck is, is the say. guy that makes it go around. He's the one that makes it work. He's just spectacular. Almost 4,600 yards on the season, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's a good ratio by any metric, and Andrew Luck is just the guy. Sorry, Deshaun Watson, but... You're going against Andrew Luck. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I think we both agreed a few weeks ago he's the best young quarterback. That Well, I know I said that. I think you were on the fence with Mahomes, but Andrew Luck is just a spectacular quarterback, and he's going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. So we got Luck on the offense there. What about the other parts of the offense, Rick? We have at running back. Who do you think has the better running back squad, Houston or Indy? I'm going to go with Indy as a squad. Uh, as much as uh, Lamar Miller's been doing lately and Alfred Blue has been really, really serviceable, I'm still going to go with uh, with Indianapolis with Marlon Mack and uh, Wilkins. Is that his name? Yep, Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines. Yeah, Naeem Hines as well. You know, I think they got like a little three-headed monster there. It's not, it's not you know, it's not what we've seen with the Giants and, you know, Derek Ward and – Brandon Jacobs and freaking Ahmad Bradshaw, but it's something. I would have to disagree with you on this one, Rick. As much right. as I do like the Marlon Mack center of it all, he's got over 900 yards, nine touchdowns, but a lot of that's padded by a couple of big games, which that happens for everyone. But I just, I'm going to take Lamar Miller here because I think it's not going to get too deep. I do believe Hines is going to be a big factor in the receiving game for Indy, but. 
I just if I'm going to take the straightforward rushing approach of it all, I'm going to go with Lamar Miller as a straightforward runner, downhill runner. He can make the plays. He almost got a thousand yards, five touchdowns. I, you I, just I, you I, just said, <laughs> hold on, you just said that Marlon Mack was like sporadic. You know, he had a few good games, kind of, and not in those exact well, words. Well, Lamar Miller that, is too. I'm not saying he was. Yes, hundred percent. A hundred percent. Of course he is. I'm not a Lamar Miller fan. I don't like either. And by of saying that Miller that much, almost but... has a thousand yards, you just said that Marlon Mack had nine hundred yards with nine touchdowns. Yes, yes, they're very similar stats. This was a more of a pick 'em anyway. But since you brought in the, I mean, if you, squad, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you I that much. If you want to go with Indy, but if you want to make a big case out of it, I just. I trust Lamar Miller a little bit more with the experience factor. Marlon Mack, he gets banged up a little bit. They both do. I don't like either of these running games, and I don't find them to be that much of a factor. It's going to be a battle between Luck and Watson. But if I was hard-pressed to pick one running back in this whole matchup, for now i got to take Lamar Miller. I'm not well, happy about it, but I have to. If I had to take one back and you're telling me it's going to come down to Watson and Luck, I'm taking Naeem Hines. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Obviously, he's the best receiving back. All right. So let's get down to the receiving core. Wide receivers, tight ends. I just, I'm on the fence here again. It's it's a real push. You know, you got T.Y. Hilton, almost 1,300 yards, six touchdowns. You got Hopkins with almost 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns. Both of them are bothered, are bothered by ankle injuries right now. I'd say Hilton's is a little bit more severe. It's been nagging him a bit more. It's tough. I'm going to go with the Houston receiving core. I do like a couple of the guys there. Ebron's been playing well, but... And like you said, Hines out of the backfield is a, a dangerous weapon that is going to be utilized in this game, but... Hopkins is just a beast. He's one of, if not the best receivers in the game right now. Yeah, uh, QT, uh, you have Demarius Thomas, who's yet to really step out, but he's there. He's got talent and experience. I think the Houston receiving game right now is just in a better state. Hopkins, man, he makes me afraid kind of to pick against the Texans because you just never know with DeAndre Hopkins. He's such a good player, man. He's... He's definitely a top five receiver to me in the league, maybe top three. I mean, you know, give me somebody better than him right now, Pat, besides Julio, and I'll probably fight you on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, 115 receptions, no drops. How's that for a stat? That's an insane stat. (laughs) That's one of the most impressive stats I've heard all year. So that just goes to show what DeAndre Hopkins is about once he steps on the field. Him alone. You know, yeah, I'm, I don't want to shit on T.Y. I like T.Y., but just DeAndre Hopkins alone makes this receiving core better than the Tex- I mean, the, than the Colts, man. Then you add in Demarius Thomas, like you said, Kiki QT. I like Houston here too, man. I agree. I think it's just going to be a battle of who comes up hobbled less. And right now, I think Hopkins can muscle through his ankle injury. I don't think it was nearly as severe. I think Hilton... Missing a little time. He's been struggling for the past few weeks. Not necessarily statistically, but just with that injury. He's constantly having to step out of the place, going to the sideline. He, he, everybody's always worried about him. You know, if he was on your fantasy team, you were sweating every week because he'd have to step out and nurse that injury a little bit. So when push comes to shove, is he going to be able to stay on the field the entire game and be as productive as he needs to be? Because he's going to have to burn if they want to win this game. Because the defenses in this matchup, very susceptible to the pass. That is where they are going to get them. Because as we were saying earlier, a big part of the rushing attacks, I guess I maybe I cheated a little bit, but Houston is third against the run. That factors in big time with my decisions from earlier. Indy, they're eighth. So we have two top ten rushing defenses right there. Two top ten in points. What it's going to come down to is the passing yardage. And Houston has been abysmal. They are 28th in pass yards allowed. Andrew Luck is going to eat them up the entire matchup. So I got to go with the Indy defense just for the fact if everything else is even and it's a close game, which both of them have been field goal games this season, 
Andrew Luck is going to carve them up down the field to get that last second field goal to win the game. I have to agree with you. This is what this is what I've been thinking about the whole week. Andrew Luck, I don't think is going to take no for an answer in this game. I think if Houston comes out scoring, Andrew Luck is going to come right back. Like I said, I'm buying into Andrew Luck in these playoffs. I think he has something to prove, and he's going to go out there and show it. Well, we've been all aboard the Luck train for uh, how long now? At least a month or two. We've yep. been really touting Indy, hoping they'd get into the playoffs, and here we are. They made it, and boy, I'm excited to see what kind of damage they can do. It would kind of suck if they go in the first round after all the hype we've given them, but I just I don't see it happening. I think they're going to take Houston down. And that would suck for Bill O'Brien because he's just proving yet again that he's really not that great. And that's why I'm going with Frank Reich for the coaching category. I just I like Frank Reich, period. He's up there for my coach of the year. I just I like him. I've always liked him as a player too. And I, I just think his scheming, I think he goes for it. He he has a lot of creative game planning and he just he has that drive. He has that will. He has balls. He's not scared to go for it on fourth or try some different things. I like Frank Reich definitely over Bill O'Brien. I think that Frank Reich is the better coach right now. Um he's more progressive than Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien is still kinda like stuck in his own shit, if you will. You know what I mean? I think that Frank Reich definitely has a grasp on how the game is changing and he's game planning for this change in the game. You know, he's one of the more progressive coaches in the NFL right now. And like you said, that with a little bit of balls, (laughs) here comes one of the toughest teams in the NFL pretty soon. Exactly. That's the thing about Bill O'Brien. I think he's just riding that slow and steady pace right now because he's just, he sees how it's gone for Patriots coordinators and assistants and all that over the years who have become head coaches. And I think he, rather than going full steam ahead and then just running into a brick wall, getting fired, and being just another one of Belichick's former guys, he's he's trying to kind of plod forward slowly. And just he's he's getting far enough, but he's not really going hard enough to get where they need to be. And eventually that's going to catch up with him. I think sooner rather than later. But for now, he's he's he has a passable, good team. I mean, they did win the South, but I just, O'Brien as a coach is not, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's all right. Um, a big thing about this matchup is, is going to come down to sacks. Houston's allowed the league-high 62 sacks, all right? So their offensive line is trash. If Indy can get in there and get pressure on Deshaun Watson, game's a wrap. He's not even going to make this a close battle of the quarterbacks. But Houston does have a margin of 71 points off of turnover, which is number one in the league. So if they can force the turnovers, if they can get Clowney and Watt in there to pressure Luck into making some bad throws, bad mistakes, they get the interceptions and they score off of that, that is their bread and butter and how they've been winning, how they've been transitioning and making themselves into the AFC South champion after such a shitty start. So that's going to be a big part of it, the offensive line play. Who's going to step up and block that defensive line? Because whoever gets to the quarterback is going to win this game. Next up, we have Seattle at Dallas. Dallas is the one-point favorite. Dallas lost at Seattle in Week 3, 24-13. Rick, I have Russell Wilson as the better quarterback in this matchup. I don't think there's any debate in that. Dak is good. He's had a good statistical season, but Russell Wilson's the guy. Any argument there? No argument. Russell Wilson by far. Exactly. The running backs, too, now, Rick, we have Zeke. He's got 1,434 yards, six touchdowns. He's the obvious choice here. But Chris Carson, not too far off the pace with 1,150 yards, nine touchdowns. Mike Davis with 500 yards, four touchdowns of himself. That's a pretty, pretty bad back. Uh, that was it. That's a pretty competitive backfield competition when you look at it between the Seattle, between the Seattle running backs and Zeke. But it's Zeke. He's a top three back, top five back, inarguably. You have to take Zeke here as a running back. 
You definitely got to go with Zeke, man. Uh, as much as I like Chris Carson, you know. He is nice. I I just, you got to go with Zeke. You know what I'm saying? Rashad Penny. It's cool. It's a nice running back. Mike Waste Davis. Waste of a draft pick, probably. Probably. You know what I mean? Now that you see what Carson has developed into, and you know you got Mike Davis sitting behind him, you know what I mean? Probably a waste of a draft pick. But that's neither here nor there right now. I think all three of them combined are still aren't as good as Zeke. I don't care what the numbers say. But if Zeke, that's the thing. They have depth, though. I will give them that. That is If that Zeke is goes down, then this that is, is definitely, all Seattle. Because their but, three running backs are easily much better than Rod Smith or any of the other guys that are going to be But Zeke's not going down. No, no, Zeke's not going anywhere. He's a workhorse. On the other hand, what about this receiving battle? I'm not really sure who to like there. You got Lockett, Baldwin, Moore, Nick Vanette against Amari Cooper, Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup, Hearns, Jarwin Swain. I mean, there's not really the huge names out there, but... There are big enough names and an even enough matchup to make this a competitive one. Uh, it's tough. Who are you going with? I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers right now. Um, I think that if you if you switched the receiving course, you would see how much better Dallas receiving core is with a, a quarterback like Russell Wilson as opposed to a quarterback like Dak. So... Just that alone makes me think Dallas. Um, I don't think that Seattle's too far behind. I just think that Dallas has the better receivers right now. I agree with you. I'm going with Dallas too. Actually, uh, Lockett's good, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna be the difference maker. He's gonna stretch that defense. He's gonna take the top off of it, and that's gonna make the big difference if Seattle is going to win. But as inconsistent as Cooper is. He just does have that star quality that he can step up and kill it any game that he manages to break loose. He's a great route runner. He's a solid catcher of the ball. He's got over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. I like Beasley. You see the effort that he's willing to put in. That was a hell of a catch last week. The rest of the core is kind of what makes it for me. I think they have better depth. They have a good B squad kind of behind them, a little bit better than Seattle's. I will say, Coop, he had two huge games, you know. He had, what, like 500-plus yards and five-plus touchdowns in two games there for a while. But his last three games, he has 13 receptions for 83 yards and zero touchdowns. This is the inconsistent Amari Cooper that the Raider fans have been talking about for quite a while. He needs to step up in something in a territory that he has never been, and that is the playoffs. So he gets to be at home. He gets his chance to shine. Let's see if he can make that money because he's going to try and get paid. So let's see what he can do. I'm also going to go with Dallas's defense. This was a tough one. Seattle is always tough on defense, but Dallas is tougher this year. They're top six in points, and they're top five in rush. So they're going to be able to shut down that rushing attack completely, I think, and then it just becomes, can you stop Russell Wilson? Can you contain Tyler Lockett and keep those receivers in front of you enough so you can force field goals, not touchdowns, and shut down the Seattle offense? Yeah, that's what it's going to come down to, man. It's going to come down to, you know, can Dallas get to Russell Wilson or is Russell Wilson going to run around and make those extraordinary plays that we've come accustomed to seeing from him? You know what I'm saying? If the Dallas Cowboys pass rush can get to Russell Wilson, because I think they're definitely going to stop Seattle's run. Um, if see, uh, if the Cowboys can just get to Russell Wilson, then I see Seattle having a hard time in this one. All right. And I think that's all going to come down to coaching scheme. But I simply cannot bring myself to say that Jason Garrett is a better coach than just about anybody in this league. I still think he should be fired. Short of a Super Bowl, I still believe Jason Garrett should be fired. So I'm going to stick with Pete Carroll on this one. I don't like Pete Carroll, but he's earned enough to definitely be called a better coach than Jason Garrett. What do you think? You I'm going to agree with here, you there. <laughs> no, I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to say that Pete Carroll is a better coach here. Um, I can't take 
Jason Garrett anymore. I don't want to watch Cowboy games because I don't want to see him on the sideline anymore. <laughs> Clapping. There is one big stat here, Rick, that I will say, and both of these teams have allowed over 50 sacks, which is pretty crazy when you think about the Dallas offensive line. I get it's not much of a surprise for Seattle, but yeah, both teams allowing over 50 sacks on the season, so... Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, this is going to be a free-for-all for for those defensive lines. Those quarterbacks, it's a good thing they're both mobile because they're going to be running for their lives all game. It's going to matter who breaks free of the coverage better, Cooper or Lockett, and who's going to make that good deep ball. That's going to be the difference in the game. Next up, Rick, Chargers at Ravens. Baltimore's a a two-and-a-half favorite. Baltimore won at L.A. a couple of weeks ago, 22-10. to So that's showing you a lot. They went to L.A. and won when big things were on the line for the Chargers. Rick, what do you think? Does Phillip Rivers have magic, or is Lamar Jackson taking the league by storm? Who's the better quarterback here? Very different styles. Well, I'm going to say Phillip Rivers is the better quarterback. That's obvious. But who's um, going to make the bigger impact in this, this game? Is what, this is what I'm going to say. If you remember back three weeks ago when we spoke about the Chargers facing the Ravens for um, for them to overtake first place or whatever, I told you that the Ravens would win that game, and they did. I'm going to pick the Ravens again because I think that which they still haven't found out how to defend Lamar Lamar Jackson. All right. I don't think people still have found out how to defend him. And it's not going to be easy. The kid's a super athlete. Um, I think everyone's focused on him running and he's going to surprise a couple of people that try to stack the box and force him to pass. He's going to surprise some people. He's going to make some throws in this game. And I think he's going to do it. I, I like Phillip Rivers as the better quarterback, but Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh scheming, it's going to be a tough matchup, but I like Phillip Rivers. So you're, you're taking Phillip Rivers for this matchup as the quarterback that's going to make the bigger impact. Yes. Just for clarity's sake. All right. Yes, I think so. Okay. I agree with you. Phillip Rivers is absolutely the better guy. He is driven. I've been saying it for how long now, Rick? Rivers is just driven. He needs this. Like, this is life. For him. He has nine children. This is life right now. This is his tenth child. So, the thing is, this is the first time a team is going to see Lamar Jackson for a second time. You are the biggest proponent I know for getting tape, so to speak, on a quarterback. Whoa, whoa, and whoa, once whoa. And once teams the Patriots start getting get tape, tape I mean. And that, listen, all right, that's not what we're talking about. This team has now scouted out and has played against Lamar Jackson. They know a lot better ways to game plan for him. They've seen it firsthand. They're going to be able to shut it down more. And do I agree with you that he has a better arm than a lot of people think? 100%. He's shown it. He's dropped a few dimes there. But I think they're going to shut him down enough. Derwin James is going to be creeping all day. I see some interceptions. I see some sacks, some tackles for losses. I just think they're going to get in that backfield. So I got to go with Rivers. I don't think Jackson is going to be as effective as he has been early on in the season. That leads us to our running backs. And while Jackson actually could be the running back category too for the Ravens, we're going to say Gus Edwards, who is technically leading the team with 718 yards and two touchdowns. If you want to count Jackson in as a part of that, I'm not going to hold it against you. I am not. He is going to rush, but I'm going to count Melvin Gordon, who had a fantastic start. It was out of this world, but he ended up only playing 12 games. He's been pretty banged up. He still managed to put up over 1,375 total yards, 14 total touchdowns. You have Eckler who has almost 1,000 yards himself as a backup, so even if Gordon goes down, they have very capable backups. The running game has to be L.A.'s, right? 100%. Uh, This is not even close, in my opinion. If Lamar Jackson isn't starting, the Ravens' running backs don't scare anyone. Absolutely agree. Pretty straightforward there. 
What about the receiving core? I mean, that's a pretty straightforward one too, right? we got to go straight down the line for the Chargers on offense here, I believe. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Ty Williams, they just shit all over the Ra- the Ravens. The, the Chargers' third-string receiver could practically be the Ravens' first receiver. That's how bad it is for Baltimore. I like John Brown. Willie Sneed's all right. Michael Crabgee, meh. But I just... I don't see anything there for Baltimore. Keenan Allen's a stud. I like Mike Williams a lot in the red zone. The Chargers receiving game is where it's at. You said it all right there. Nothing I could say against that, man. That's what I do. Uh, The defense, on the other hand, though, Baltimore, you can't argue with that defense. They're number one in a bunch of categories, including total yards, and they're number two in points. So as as good as... LA's defense has been you gotta take Baltimore's defense they're just superior they're probably the best defense in the league if not top two I think they're the best defense in the league that's just my opinion um Baltimore to me far and away has the best defense in this game um but I think the Chargers can make the biggest impact if they can get to Lamar Jackson like you said this is I I just like to point out here that you're picking straight down the line Chargers but you're saying you're taking Baltimore to win this game correct 100% okay just for clarity's sake for the listeners and the Chargers in my opinion are the better team on defense I think the Ravens have a better defense but the Chargers can make the biggest impact if they can just stop Lamar Jackson the Ravens are going to do what they do which is it's going to be a, a you know a slugfest. It's not going to be easy. We already know what we're going to get from the Ravens. Is what can you get from LA that's going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson? And I think that if they can get that done cuz I don't think they are, if they can get that done, then that defense will have more an an impact on the game than the Ravens will. All right, that's what I like to hear. And the coaches, what do you think? This was actually really tough on me. I like Anthony Lynn. I think he's up there for coach of the year. But it was just the history, I guess. Even though it hasn't been too too good of a recent history, he does have a Super Bowl in his resume. So I went with Harbaugh as the better coach. But really, it could go either way. I could be swayed because Anthony Lynn has proven that he's pretty good. Listen, I love Anthony Lynn. I remember him, his time on my sideline with the Jets. I got a lot of love for Anthony Lynn. Harbaugh, though, he saved his ass, okay? That he did. Because he was on the way out. He fucking sacked up, started a rookie, okay? He did exactly what we said he had to do. He had to find a way to utilize Lamar Jackson in a starting and capacity he's and show around this, that he he's making good game it. plans to to get this done. This is what is impressing impressing me about Harbaugh right now is that okay, we thought that we would see Lamar Jackson run. We didn't think that we'd see it this consistently though. Okay, his game plan is smooth. You know, he has a way of keeping the Ravens on schedule. Okay, Lamar Jackson isn't seeing tough situations. He's not seeing third and 12s a lot. And that's a testament to Harbaugh. Absolutely agree. I will say that L.A. is 7-1 on the road this year. A very impressive road record. So you like Baltimore? I'm going Chargers. I've been saying the Chargers as my AFC Super Bowl team all year for the most part. I'm sticking with them. I think they're going to go to Baltimore and win this thing. All right, Rick, last but not least, we have Philly at Chicago. Now you know I am going for the birds this weekend. I'm going Philly, and I am going Seahawks. Why? Draft picks. You know that much. Raider fan, I want Chicago, and I want Dallas out of this fucking thing. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Chicago is going to win. I think Dallas is going to win. Chicago, they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. Listen, I don't trust Trubisky. Risky Trubisky, no thank you. I'm good with that. Even with the bruised ribs, I'm going to take Nick Foles. This team rallies around him like nobody I have ever seen. It is insane how he has this team on his back. I think 
if he goes all the way again, they're going to be shopping Carson Wentz. That is for damn sure. I like Nick Foles better. He's only been in five games, but 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, and I just believe in Foles, like that team, you know, he rallies the troops around him, he has a better rapport with the receivers, the running game, the whole team plays with more passion, so I like Foles better. Nick Foles is fucking Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Foles is Rudy, and there's just something punchable about Mitch Trubisky's face, is there not? Yeah, I, I fucking like, can't stand. You just look at Mitch Trubisky's face. <laughs> I can't fucking stand it. And you just want to hit him. <laughs> I can't fucking stand it. He's got, like, a Conor McGregor face. Well, now you're going too far. The Irish jealousy. Who do I you mean, like? Foles, R- Rudy, or the very punchable Mitch Trubisky? You know I don't like Risky Trubisky, man. Come on. I gave him the fucking nickname, bro. I can't fucking fuck with that guy. That guy scares me, you know, but he's been playing well. As of late, he's been playing all right. I just know that he's going to shit the bed sooner or later, so I'm going with Foles. <laughs> Let's go with that this week. Let's go with that on Sunday night. I am all He's going to shit it. the bed soon. <laughs> You'll see. All right. Speaking of shit the bed, we have the Philly running game. It does not exist. Uh, I respect Aaron Sproles. <laughs> Terrible. So, like, I don't want to shit-talk him, too. It's just because of Sproles. And he put in a hell of an effort the other week. But We can just say that Howard you know, and Cohen are better. Yeah, Howard, Cohen, they we're talking about basically 2,000-yard, total yard rusher receivers there. Both nine and eight touchdowns, respectively. It's just not even a competition. It really isn't. The Chicago running game exists, therefore they win. So, there you go. Um, The receiving core. We have Zach Ertz, the tight end, leading (laughs) the way. We have 1,163 yards, eight touchdowns. You got Alshon Jeffrey, only 840 yards and six touchdowns. But that was before when that lame duck, Carson Wentz, was throwing him the ball. There is a disconnect there, but there is a big-time connection with Nick Foles, so long as Foles stays in and his ribs are inside his body, I don't know that that's going to stay true all game with Mac and those headhunters coming after him. But Jeffrey, Ertz, Aguilar, I'm going to take these guys all day. Goddard, Golden Tate, you haven't even heard of Golden Tate since he got traded there, but he oh. exists on that team too, you know? He's somewhere in there, and he's talented enough to make a big impact. So uh, Chicago, just as much as Philly's running game doesn't exist, Chicago's passing game, a receiving game, does not exist. Allen Robinson, he is by far their top guy. There's a good chance, or a decent chance, he doesn't even play. You've got Gabriel, who's on IR. you got Burton, who's the tight end. He's okay, but I'd take Philly's two tight ends over him. So most of Chicago's receivers are on IR <laughs> or hurt. Too. So, they're terrible. Yeah, right? (laughs) Very true. So, I think it's the Philly receiving game all day. Yeah, I'm going to say it's Philly all day, too. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the Bears. There's no Philly all day. Yeah. So, then we get down to the defenses. And that is where Philly is going to lose them a little bit. A little bit. Well, a lot of it. (laughs) A lot of it. I mean, well, they've been stepping up a little bit. You know, they're seventh in rush. So, I mean, they're not terrible against the rush. That's going to come in handy to try and shut down Howard and Cohen. Problem is, Cohen's more of a receiving threat. So, they're not too good. They're 30th in the past. Is it just me? Or does it feel like, all right, you rank those teams like that first and, you know, but when I think about it, it's like, okay, so uh, the Saints may be first against the rush or whatever. But the Bears are still the best defense in the league, hands down, no matter. Well, I mean, a lot of that just comes down to bulk stats, you know. And a lot of these stats, okay, well, the difference between 20th and last is, you know, 5 yards, you know, or some shit like that, you know, 12 yards. So sometimes the stats don't tell all the the whole picture. That's for sure. The only thing I'll say is, Chicago is weak in the passing game, and that is where the Philly defense is weak. So that's a whole different, you know, are they going to be able to prey 
on Philly's weakness because Philly is strong in the rush game. But Chicago's got the better defense. That's without a doubt. First in points, rushing yards. Seventh in passes. First in interceptions. They're going to get turnovers. Ugh, fuck the Chicago defense and Khalil Mack. But damn it, they're good. Yeah, man. I'm not even going to get into it, man. I don't want to rub it in anymore. Bears. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the Bears, they got Nagy and Fangio. I like them better than Peterson. Nagy all the fucking way, man. Yeah, uh, Nagy's actually a good coach. It's He's great. He's amazing. Well, Boy, the he's... fucking Jets can't find anyone like him. <laughs> well, we'll get to Shit. that. Don't worry. That's, uh... But yeah, Peterson. I don't think I think the luster is all gone from Peterson. Yeah, how, how, like I've that never shit seen was one coach, and done. I've never seen a coach lose so much, you know, shine from a Super Bowl, especially for a fucking city that has never had a Super Bowl. Like makes you fucking they have think. turned. You know, Reich left, DiFilippo left. Well, he left everything, but that's uh, people don't really like Peterson that much. I find so. Yeah, Nagy all day. So, it makes me but, think. It makes me think about Wright that much more. Exactly, it's really making him shine. I uh, I'm gonna stick with Chicago in that one. I want Philly. I'd like Philly to win. I think they easily. I think they could under the right circumstance. But I gotta go with Chicago. Why? Because that's what the universe wills. Chicago and Dallas all the way. And those are the fourth quarter comeback playoff wild card round previews. We hope you enjoy the games this weekend, and we look forward to seeing them see who advances into the divisional round. But next up, we have, finally, we've done a couple of them throughout the year. We have the fourth quarter comeback year-end awards. Here we are, ready and willing to give out some trophies. Rick, who is your fantasy player of the year? Well, it ain't fucking Todd Gurley. I know that. <laughs> I, I will explain that as well, because both of us felt the sting of Todd Gurley going down late in the season, missing championship games, uh, stopping short for a touchdown on a crucial run there that could have won people weeks. There are, just, there are a bunch of things that, despite Todd Gurley being the most effective running back, you could argue Saquon, But being the most effective running back in there, Gurley was tremendous, but there's enough headache there that the good that he did is counterbalanced with a lot of venom, because people have a lot of bad taste in their mouth from the shit that Gurley left him hanging. So yeah, I know why you're saying that. That is why. And I agree with you. It is not Gurley. So who is it? Oh, man. This hurts me a little bit to go like this, but... I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, didn't he score like the most points ever <laughs> in fantasy? I don't know about ever, but he had 505 standard league points. I don't play standard league generally. Maybe I do a couple, but uh, yeah, standard league, he had 505 points, which seems insane. Almost 5,100 yards, 50 touchdowns, 12 picks. You'll hear those stats a lot, but uh, yeah, I'm actually on board with you. Pat Mahomes. He's there because a lot of the running backs were round one picks. Those were number one picks. Guys like Gurley, you know, they were expected to carry you, and they did, or they let you down a little bit in the end. You have other quarterbacks that got picked up high. There are no receivers that broke out enough. But Pat Mahomes, you probably got as a huge steal. In some leagues, you may have picked him up off of the waiver wires. So Pat Mahomes... He has got to be the fantasy player of the year because he delivered a huge impact and in an unexpected way where you got him as a steal, but he boosted your team all the way through. All right, Rick, coach of the year. I got a couple of guys here. Andy Reid, Anthony Lynn, Sean Payton. I mean, really, there's there's not a short list for coach of the year this year. There could be a lot of people but i'm going with the guy that we have been talking about earlier in the show i'm going with the indy coach frank reich i just don't think that indy was on anybody's playoff board earlier on in the season he brought 
Andrew Luck back into the league. He brought him back with an impact. He built that team up. He used all of their talents in the right way, and he had just enough balls to get them to the playoffs. I like Frank Reich. He's my coach of the year. What about you? Are you looking at my sheet over here? I am not, but I'm sure we're both intelligent football fans and amazing broadcasters, so we will probably have quite a few of the same picks. Unless Frank you're Reich. unless you're going sticking with Calvin Ridley as the uh, rookie of the year, in which case yeah. you are a jackass. <laughs> um, definitely Frank Reich. Uh, like you said, the Colts weren't on anyone's radar to get to the, to get to the playoffs. Never mind that. <laughs> if you thought they were going to finish eight and eight, we were laughing at you. You know what I mean? Like what? He like I said, he's progressing with the game, and there's so much to be said for that right now. You know. The way the the NFL is going, Frank Reich is taking the Colts there. So next year, I expect to see big things from the Colts with their cap space, draft picks. They're going to sign some yeah, big free he's agents. In a, he's in a hell of a spot right now. They're going to get him and Ballard. De- him and Ballard put him in a really good spot too. You're definitely going to get people that want to play with luck. All right, you guys fucking hit the jackpot on your middle linebacker in the draft. So. Can we agree that Josh McDaniels is a complete fucking moron for passing up on this opportunity to he, he's basically clinging to a relic, a faded relic in New England. Bro. He's he's looking at something with luster, with shine, like an old diamond that's turning into a pile of shit. And once Brady and Belichick and all these star pieces, these key cogs in the machine that have built it into what it is, into that dynasty, it all comes crumbling down. And he can sit there with his homebred quarterback and his little owner with his weird haircut, high-fiving in slow motion, people in the press box with Mark Wahlberg, and fucking failing miserably every year because he was too scared to move on from New England and pick a good job that he can move forward with. He is going to wallow in misery in New England while Frank Reich succeeds in Indy, and I love every bit of it. I could have told you Josh McDaniels was a a jackass a long time ago. It didn't take this. Well, shit, I could have told you sooner than that because he was a Denver coach, so there you go. All right. So, (laughs) defensive player of the year. Rick, we're going to disagree here. Yes, we are because... I'm going to have to go and say Khalil Mack. What? Yep. No, what the fuck do you mean? No, I have Khalil Mack. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not supposed to have Khalil Mack. Well, I do Khalil have Khalil Mack. Mack. Single, all right, listen. Khalil Mack single-handedly changed a, a whole exactly. entire Exactly. For everybody out there saying that the fourth quarter comeback are a bunch of fucking idiots right now. Listen, Aaron Donald. Was fantastic. They got lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. Good, but listen, that defense faded so badly, and take him off of that team, and guess what? That offense is still gonna go ape shit. And with Sue and that defense, they're still gonna do most of what they did. Khalil Mack changed a franchise. His presence completely turned them around. You talk about the Colts not being in the playoffs. The the Bears were primed for a top five pick without Khalil Mack. So, yeah, you can go ahead. But, yeah, I agree. My defensive player of the year is actually Khalil Mack. It's got to be, man. All right. Rookie of the year. Now, on the fourth quarter comeback, we do not separate into defensive and offensive. To me, that's the most offensive thing of all, because defense deserves their accolades. If they're the best, treat them the same and call them the best. Now, I've narrowed my list down, Rick. If you want to throw in, you're not going to put Derwin James or Calvin Ridley or uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. All really good rookie campaigns, but we're not going to put them in there, correct? Correct. All right, so my final three came down to this. Darius Leonard, Baker Mayfield, and Saquon Barkley. Those are the top three guys. Now, Rick, go ahead. You want my final three? I want your final one. Who is your rookie of the year? I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet here 
and say that Saquon Barkley is the rookie of the year. He has to be, man. I mean, for what it's worth, with teams like knowing that the Giants weren't that good and were able to kind of like stack the box against him whenever they kind of chose once they saw that Eli was fading away with father time. And for this kid to still come out and push 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Now, look, in the beginning, I said that Ridley gave you just as much production in terms of touches as Saquon. And I still agree with that. And I'm still of at that point in time, he did. You would ride the Titanic to the bottom Listen, of the sea. At that point in time, he did. They both had seven touchdowns. Ridley had more wins. There was production there. Okay. Obviously, Saquon took off more. Ridley didn't do as good in the second half of the season as I thought he would. But that was a first half of the season award that we gave away that time. This is the season award. Again, I still don't think that Saquon is um this amazing back. All right. Saquon is a home run hitter. Okay. And as we all see in baseball, everyone loves it, but it's either a home run or a strikeout from guys like Aaron Judge, who is kind of like the Saquon Barkley version. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't agree with what you're saying at all right now. (laughs) First off, a home run hitter is probably one of the better things you can have. It is, but it's not as consistent. He's not consistent. He's not getting the Giants. The Giants uh, were still 29 first downs. You're picking a guy that's hitting 58 home runs but bats 230. When it comes down to running the ball, the Giants were still 29th in the league in first downs, running the ball. Okay? 29th in the league in first downs. You're not going to hit a home run every game. You understand what I'm saying? I would just about disagree with 15 touchdowns. He, he just about did average a home run every game. He had over no, 2,000 yards. Run, listen, a home over run. over 2,000 yards. You can't call it a home run from the one or the two-yard line. I'm sure he's got five or six touchdowns from inside the five. Okay? That's not a home run. Let's get that out the way right now. Okay, this kid led the league with... Why do you want to hate Saquon Barkley? I don't want to hate him. I'm giving him the rookie of the year. This is your therapy session for the new year. I'm giving him the rookie of the year. And you think I hate Saquon Barkley. What you're not seeing is that I hate Baker Mayfield. Well, that's obvious. Okay? I don't hate Saquon. I'm not going to get into your Baker hatred right now. That can be for later. Is it because he's across the hall from you guys? No, I don't he's, have he's any a giant, not Listen, a I'm, bro, I love running backs. You know this. Oh, I do. So I can't I imagine why you don't love this guy. Because he's very clearly a top like five back not, in the league. He's not consistent enough. Saquon Barkley him. is not a top five back in this league. He is. Is, is that what he is? He is. Okay. So we're just going to erase everything you just said. No, other than, other no because than it's my personal he's a home opinion. run hitter. And Listen, it's my personal opinion that he's not consistent enough. Is he a top five back? Yes, production says he is. You can't refute that. The numbers say he is. Okay? I can't refute that. I'm not talking in about my personal opinion. I'm talking about next year. He's going to be the number one opinion. pick in fantasy drafts next year. 100%. No way. One. Hundred percent, he will be. No. Yes, he will. Zeke. He is my. All right. So listen, I love Darius Leonard, but he just fell short. If he had two hundred tackles, bit. if he had two hundred tackles, I would have. I would have. Uh, I would have picked him. But Can we just agree that Baker's not even close? Baker is. Yeah. No, Baker's not in it for me. Leonard's actually my number two. Uh, Baker. He he crept up. Let me let me tell you what. If Baker didn't have Hugh Jackson as his coach to begin the year, I think we would be talking more about Baker right now. I think, oh. I think that crippled him enough. But listen, Baker didn't get it done enough to get consideration here for me. And Barkley, you go over 2,000 all-purpose yards for this for your rookie season. You put up 15 touchdowns. You get a 5.0 average. I mean, come on. Barkley is my guy. Barkley is definitely the rookie of the year. 
Baker's a bad person. He wants people to lose money and then not be able to make any more money. Okay, well, yeah, obviously him being pissed off at Hugh Jackson going to Cincy, which is just idiotic. Baker's a fucking moron. What can you say? He'll end up on TMZ within the next two years again, and that'll be it. So, on to the big one. MVP. Is this a two-horse race, or is this a one-horse race? This is a one-horse race, man. Numbers don't lie, Pat. You cannot refute numbers, man. Patrick Mahomes, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. You cannot refute that. I'm yeah, sorry. I wanted to pick Breeze. I'm not going to lie to you. I did want to pick Breeze because I, I'm just, sorry. I feel like this season he's had, and he led the team to the best record, and he had all these, you know, there was a lot of stuff going for Breeze. But uh, better game-winning drives, a lot more game-winning drives at the end. Um, so he had that clutch gene kind of, but uh, but the Chiefs were so far ahead they didn't need to come back, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So <laughs> the five interceptions, that's mind-boggling. That's great, you know? That's just a great stat for Breeze. But when it comes down to it and Breeze has a 1,000-plus less yards, 18 less touchdowns, and not just 18 less, but Mahomes has 50. I mean, 50. That's rare air right there. So, uh. The kid didn't uh, play last year. You got it. That's not true. We played one game. Uh, One game, bro. Well, that's playing. So, Mahomes, I got to give it to him. He's, He's the MVP. I mean, you have a season like this. And like I've said before, I'm not buying in 100% on Mahomes being the greatest quarterback going forward. I think he's going to be a very good one, but that's not what this award is. This is for who had the most valuable play, who was the most valuable player for the season. I tried to rationalize it that you take Breeze away from the Saints and look what happened. But, I mean, if you took Mahomes off of the Chiefs, what the fuck would have happened, you know? You can't say one team really has much better talent necessarily than the other. So you just got to look one-on-one, and they're very close stats in a lot of categories, but then he blows them away by 1,000 yards, 18 more touchdowns. Mahomes, stats don't lie. Like you said, Mahomes is the MVP this year. Got to give it to him. Could you imagine seeing like 115 points scored in the Super Bowl, give or take? We see somebody like the Saints versus... The chart of uh, the Chiefs. That would be an interesting one. Yes, that would. <laughs> that or the would Rams be... versus the Chiefs. You saw what they did. I'm trying to think, they'd get their money's worth, right? If they're not running the clock enough and they're just uh, flinging touchdowns left and right, boy, that commercial time is really going to come invaluable. Yep. So save your money, save your pennies, there, all you advertisers out there, because you could get a lot of spots in at the Super Bowl this year. Just don't advertise during halftime because Maroon 5 is literally garbage. It is is not music. It is garbage for your ears. So everyone's not going to be near their TV for that. All right. Those are our fourth quarter comeback year and awards. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that obviously we agreed on most of them, but that's just because we're not blind. We see the fact of the matter. So we hope you saw what we saw and if you disagree or agree with anything please send us your picks for the year-end awards you can at me on twitter at six pack pat with the number six you can at rick at rick red zone rick red zone you can let him know or you can hit us up on the show page which is at four qc show let us know what you think for the year-end awards a little quick hit here. As a Raider fan, I'd be remiss to not mention and welcome aboard Mike Mayock, the NFL Network draft analyst and analyst in general. Mike Mayock has been announced as the Raiders' new GM. I love the move, I gotta say. I like him as a talent evaluator, and I like him as a guy that's gonna be able to push back on Gruden a bit because he has a good relationship with him. He's known him for a long time. He's known a lot of the staff for a long time. He doesn't know everything, sure, but they have money, guys. They have these other guys in place, and he's not afraid to admit he's going to learn on the job as far as contracts, negotiating money, cap, all that kind of stuff goes, and I'm okay with that. The good thing that we need right now, especially with all the draft picks coming up, is good, solid talent evaluation because we cannot, absolutely cannot, 
get these draft picks wrong. We cannot get free agency wrong. We need to make sure that we're moving forward in a solid pace, in a solid way, and bringing good players at a reasonable price. So, especially with not knowing where we're playing going forward for next year, I like the move of Mike Mayock as GM. A lot of people are shitting on it. He doesn't have experience. Well, he's a former NFL safety that went on as a broadcaster and then became a GM with no experience. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Another Bay Area team did the same exact thing with John Lynch and the 49ers. He's done a decent job. We're not going to say a great job, but I like Mayock much better as a talent evaluator. Obviously, Lynch was a better player. I like the move. Rick, any thoughts on the Raiders bringing in Mayock as a GM? Other than really, you'll miss him during the, the combine coverage? Really quick, uh, that's what I wanted to touch on. Um, I heard, a, I saw a couple of tweets actually this week talking about how bad Mike Mayock was on TV. I hope people understand that, all right, he did what GMs do on TV, which is evaluate talent. But it was out in the open for you. No other GM are you ever going to know his hits or misses because you only know what they're drafting. So for the people out there talking shit about Mike Mayock and how shitty he was on TV, you guys know nothing. Stop talking, okay? (laughs) Because this guy is a good talent evaluator, all right? Every GM hits and misses. That's why... Not all rookies are good on every team, okay? And can you shut imagine up guys like chance, Belichick man. or the better Talavet, who who are some of the best GMs in the league? You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine all these guys being put into the hot seat, like Ozzy Newsome? You know, if they had to sit there and broadcast and go over every kid and evaluate their talent on the network nonstop, yeah? Can you imagine how many misses, how stupid they would look? For how many of these things? So I agree with you. That's a great point, brother. I am on board, and thank you for the support. I love Mayock, the new GM for the Oakland Raiders. All right, Rick, we have some big news here. We are going to breeze right on through this because there is a lot to uncover. Antonio Brown. Uh, What the fuck is going on there? (laughs) He He missed the big Week 17 game against the Bengals. They initially said it was for an injury. Tomlin sent Brown for an MRI on his knee, but apparently he didn't go. It became a whole big thing that Brown and Ben Roethlisberger actually got into a disagreement on Wednesday's practice, or before the practice, during a walkthrough. Brown ended up walking out. Somebody said something about he threw a football at Ben. I don't know about that. Supposedly, the disagreement was more about Antonio Brown being upset with the organization, feeling underappreciated, underutilized. I think he sees the writing on the wall, and you knew when Le'Veon Bell was having his issues, you could tell Antonio Brown was more in his corner than Tomlin's and the organization's. So he skipped practices, he skipped all the meetings for the rest of the week. It ended up being very unclear to them what was going to happen. They didn't end up playing him. So Antonio Brown didn't even step on the field, and he left during halftime of the game. So now recently, what happened, Tomlin and and both Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger deny everything that's been going on, but you hear at the same time they're denying it, but neither of them's gotten responses from Antonio Brown. Well, how do you know about that? If But you're denying all this stuff. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The only time we've heard from Antonio Brown is during a Mike Tomlin press conference. Mike Tomlin decided to come out. People asked if he was a distraction. Tomlin said, well, you can call it whatever you want, but he definitely didn't say, no, he's not a distraction. Let's be honest, Mike Tomlin lost control of his team for the most part a while ago, and he definitely lost control and respect of Antonio Brown, probably as far back as when Antonio Brown was recording him in the locker room and sending that out. But A.B. decided to tweet during the Mike Tomlin press conference some message about how he controls his own fate. And then he put up a video with James Harrison, former Steeler, saying they were going to have some big bombshell interview or whatnot on his feed. So go into that. That's a whole lot of stuff developing really quickly here, Rick. What do you make of this entire Antonio Brown Steelers drama? 
I think Antonio Brown is feeling underappreciated because he thinks that, you know, the organization has Ben's back over everyone, you know, and he probably equates that to the Le- the Le'Veon Bell situation. You he know what I'm saying? That ben was... throws everybody under the bus with every they, fucking interview exactly. he Man, does Ben just shit the bed on everybody. But anyway, at the same time, I don't want to tell somebody to shut up or, you know, grow up or whatever. Shut up and play? Is that where you're going? (laughs) No, no, no. not Definitely not shut up and play. But I don't want to tell somebody to shut up, you know, grow up. Don't take shit so personally. You know, everybody, you're recognized as one of the greatest. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, every man has pride. And I guess that's what Antonio Brown is feeling right now. His pride is taking over. He wants to be noticed. He wants to be recognized as one of, you know, the main cog. He's tired of, you know, people just falling back on Ben as the best stealer. You know, this is not Ben's team, I don't think. I don't think it ever was, honestly. I think that um, Ben's always had that running game, you know. This is a running football team, and they recycle running backs one after the other. You know, there's always a great one coming up next. And Ben has just been, you know, He's well, been the geez, beneficiary of those for, things. Uh, running backs, they certainly do it for receivers. I mean, you had guys like Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, uh, then you, you know Antonio Brown, and now you see Juju Schuster coming up. So I think yeah, Antonio I think Brown Antonio is realizing Brown is a animal. Sure, he's obviously the best of the bunch, but I his think, route running is uncanny. Well, listen, when you include a bunch of good players, obviously there are different degrees. That once you know Jerry Rice is the best, but you're not going to include you know all the other guys in there with him. It's just there's a best one, sure. But while Antonio Brown is the best of the bunch, he sees well. There's a younger, faster, bigger gun that Ben's really connecting with now in Schuster. So. He sees what's going on. He sees the writing on the wall, and he knows that there's a decent likelihood that he might not want to get out of town. But they were they might have wanted to ship him out of town sooner rather than later. Maybe maybe the year after next, you know, when it was a little more financially viable. This year, if they're to trade him, they're gonna they're gonna have twenty one million dollars in dead money if they trade him. You know. His cap hits twenty two million. Yeah. So you're saving a million bucks if you get rid of them. I mean, is that really worth getting rid of the best? If you know one of, if not the best receivers in the league? No, no. But you know what? To make an impact, to control the Mike Tomlin, the narrative being that you cannot control your team, maybe that's what you need to do. Is it a dumb financial decision? Absolutely. But guess what? You knew what you were getting into before, and now you clear Bell off your books. You're going to have a big cap hit either way. So maybe it's better to have the big cap hit and not have that that cancerous problem in your locker room tearing down team unity all year. And don't forget that the, whatever you're going to get in return, you know, you can get you can get a really good pick in return for him. I don't know if you're going to get a first. I don't know. I'm not sure what you'd get in return for Antonio Brown right now because obviously the Cowboys gave up a desperation first for Cooper, but he's also younger and less money on the line. And less of a headache. Yeah, so I think Antonio Brown probably fetches you a second going into the draft, but who knows? You know, a team like the Raiders with those first-rounders and some of them being late, do they throw a last their last uh, first at the Steelers just to get it done? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that works out. Do you think Antonio Brown's going to be a Steeler next year? Yeah, I think he is. Like you said, when you brought up the money situation, I think that that right there kind of seals the deal for me. Um, if he wasn't a Steeler next year, I would think that, for him not to be a Steeler next year, it would take some Tomlin balls, basically. Like, Tomlin would have to grow balls and Which, say, you know yeah, what? We are not convinced those exist just yet. So. This is my team, not your team. And I'm going to show you that this is my team. I don't think that he's capable of that. But it is what it is. I don't. I, I see A.B. In, in Pittsburgh next year, all the way. You see A.B. in Pittsburgh? I think... Someone, if they cannot heal the relationship within the next few weeks, I think someone is going to give them a big enough offer where they're going to have to consider, hey, 
let's consider fielding some offers. And I feel like someone's going to end up shoving a big enough offer, a high second, maybe a late first, down their throat to where they're going to have to just take their medicine, take the cap hit, and just or, or take the dead money, I should say, and and make the deal and get rid of them, bring in another receiver to be the second to Schuster, and just go from there. Work on the team chemistry because that seems to be the big part of what was going on. A lot of people on the Steelers this year complaining about the distraction was the problem. So I don't think they want to go into next year with any distractions. With Bell gone for sure, I don't think they want to have any chance of any distractions holding them back from missing the playoffs again. So I think they'll do their best to move on if they can and just suck it up and take a big hit for one year. And that has been our show. Thank you for welcoming us back. It is a brand new year. We had a great holiday. We hope you did as well. Thank you for bearing with us in our time of absence. We strongly urge you and ask you to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at 4QC Show, at Six Pack Pat with the number six, and at Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone. Not too many uh, Rick's picks left with the playoffs here, but you know what? Rick's still putting out good content. We try to stay on top of these things, but Twitter's tough sometimes. So we have that. We also have our Facebook page for the fourth quarter comeback. Thank you very much for all the follows, likes, subscribes, and every other good thing you can do for us. But most importantly, thank you for joining the show every week and giving us your time and giving us your attention. We appreciate it very much. And for this week, we are out. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody.